Welcome to the Business Intuition Podcast, the place where you can learn to trust your intuition to make business decisions without having to meditate for hours, wear crystals, or give up on coffee or wine. You don't have to leave your IQ at the door. Embrace intuitive intelligence to create a business that lights you up and finally experience the success that you deserve. So thank you so much for joining us today. I have the pleasure of inter interviewing Jude Jennison. Uh, and I would love for you, Jude, to introduce yourself to my audience today. Well, hi, Ange. Thank you for having me here today. I'm Jude Jennison, founder of Leaders by Nature, which is a leadership and team development company. And I'm also the creator of the leadershipacademy.online which is an online leadership academy, which I've been creating over the last year. So curating course content that is to do with leadership and team behavior. Oh, I didn't know about that, obviously, because last time we spoke was about a year ago. How exciting. Wow. But there's some aspect, there's an aspect in particular of your business that you might have not have used in the while. I don't know, actually. And it's um, that something that drew to me, uh, me to you in the first place is you work with horses, right? Yeah, so I work, I, I develop leaders and teams and I do that in an experiential setting by working with a herd of horses. So I bring my clients out to work with the horses in the, in the field and the horses respond based on all of your nonverbal behavior. So what you're thinking, what you're feeling, your energy, your emotions, your instincts, your intuition, Uh, all of those things will show up, all of those things show up at work, whatever your work is, they show up, uh, they show up in relationships and in your, in your team behavior and communication, but working with the horses just reveals it. So it's a bit like putting a spotlight on your leadership and team behavior because they're so good at reading what's going on internally. Whereas as human beings, we tend to focus on what people are telling us And we will sense whether things are congruent or not, but we won't always, we won't always know. So we might sense that there's something not quite right about a relationship, but we won't always know why. The horses will go straight to it. That's fascinating because um, with the discussions I've had with my previous guests, we were talking about how we're all intuitive, but it's sort of <clears throat> fades uh, with time from childhood into adulthood because just because of that because people are not congruent and we're taught to believe what people say to us rather than what they what they actually feel like or what the message we receive from their energy and their body language and everything else so it makes so much sense now that I've done all these interviews to why the horses help you so much with the leadership because the horse are almost like they reveal points where as you say, there's a lack of congruence or there's needs that things that need to be tweaked. I love it. So they're like your intuition radar in a way. Oh, I mean, com completely. Um, and, and even, even if you're being congruent, we all have our, we all have our blind spots. And so they will reveal where am I not trusting or where am I not being courageous enough or where am I not present Any, anything, where is there not enough respect or trust or where am I not being honest with myself? So 
it's not that it's not always that we're incongruent in our behavior sometimes we're very congruent but there's there's some fun, there's continual fine tuning that we can do in our behavior yeah wow i you've hooked me that on that one definitely um i'd like you to tell us how long you've been doing this work with the horses and what got you into it i've been doing it for nine years and i used to be frightened of horses and i left my corporate career in 2010 and i thought i don't want to be frightened of anything so i'll just overcome my fear of horses and in five minutes i overcame my fear of horses working with a coach with horses and in the course of about two hours i learned so much about who am I and how do I show up in relationship with someone or something, whether that's somebody in a board meeting banging their fist on the table or whether it's a 600 kilogram horse, how do I show up when I feel intimidated? So where there is conflict or there is aggression or I feel as though I'm being pushed around. And what I quickly learned was that instead of being scared of somebody that I felt was trying to do that. How could I stay in relationship with them and respect and trust them and respect and trust myself? Um, and that, what that did was it enabled me to learn how to stay in conflict from a place of being very grounded, very centered, very calm and okay with here I am here's what I want, here are you, here's what you want. They might look like they're completely different and polarised, but actually I can sit with you and seek to understand you and respect you for your opinion, even if it's vastly different to mine. And that was two hours of learning, which is quite profound learning. And I, because most of us grapple with polarised opinions, and especially at the moment, there's a lot of that happening in the world. And what I learned was to be okay with all of that and to not allow it to knock me off center. And uh, that was the first two hours of learning and I was so blown away. I went back and trained in the work, qualified six months later and clients just kept coming and saying, you've got a page on your website about horses. Can I work with them? So I did what any sane, sensible person does. I went out and bought a horse. <laughs> And the rest is history. I now have a herd of horses that I that I work with. How many horses do you have now? I have four at the moment. Okay, is that a good number, or you, do you think you might want more? Um, I've had I've had uh, six horses in total. Um, four four is enough for now. Mm. Okay, <laughs> just pure curiosity. I'm a very curious person. Wow, that's already such a story such a story and I can see that now I can see um, I mean I don't know horses much and I'm kind of scared of them too so <laughs> I don't know if this is a sign to do something about it um, but now it makes a lot more sense so did you have to learn a lot about horses before you could work with them I what, what I would say to anybody doing this work is yes you do I didn't <laughs> um, and I, because I drew on my leadership skills and I was acting purely intuitively and instinctively. 
So when clients kept coming saying, we want to work with the horses, why can't we do that? And I kept saying, I don't have a horse. I just thought clients are coming. That's, that's a sign that, that there's a desire for this work. And it was just pure instinct that I knew I wanted to be doing this work. And so I, what I will say is the first six months of owning a horse, I went home in tears every night saying, I can't do this anymore. Because practically, physically, emotionally, it was exhausting because I was completely clueless. But what I did know was that I was doing work that was profound, that was life-changing. It feels like it's the work I'm born to do. And so every morning I got up again and I tried again. And, and also I was seeing the impact that I was just working with one horse then, the impact that the horse and I were having on clients was profound on so many levels. Repeatedly clients will say it's life-changing. There's something that happens in that, in that shift in the moment of that almost a landing in your body or in your stomach of, oh, I get it, I get now why this repeatedly happens in my life or why I repeatedly come unstuck in a relationship in this way or why I always find this type of person in a team difficult to work with. When people get those aha moments, it's like such a visceral, strong feeling in their body that, that then everything changes as opposed to reading something in a book and saying, oh yes, now I've read that, I understand it cognitively in my head, I get it but nothing actually changes because you haven't created the shift in your body. So, so the work is very, very embodied. So, it, it, you know, in answer to your question, do you need to know about horses? Yes and no. I, I, I haven't learned huge amounts about the horses because I'm more interested in what's happening in the relationship between the person and the horse and me and the person and me and the horse what's happening there that is not being spoken to and getting the client to speak to what's their experience so that they can learn to make sense of it and therefore use that skill of how do I know when a relationship just doesn't quite feel right and how do I know when it's completely in flow and how do I shift from one to the other wow so the moment you got your first horse, did you have clients immediately or did you get to know the horse a little bit before um, you jumped in? I had my first horse, Callie, for three weeks before the first client arrived. So how were those first three weeks before clients? And you said you were in tears for six months every night. Why was that? I'd like to know more about that too. But yeah, one after the other. Well, I, I didn't, I didn't attract, uh, you know, the, a, a kind of horse that would just do as it was told. I attracted a snorting beast on the end of a lead rope. So, <laughs> so I attracted a horse called Callie, who is strong, powerful, opinionated. She's a female horse, uh, very kind, very gentle, very maternal, but very opinionated. So if she doesn't want to do something she's absolutely not going to do it. And she's 600 kilograms in weight. So you can't get into a fight with 600 kilograms and nor would I want to. And because I was clueless about looking after horses, she realized that 
because they're very instinctive and they're very intuitive. So she instantly realized that I had no idea what I was doing. And so she took charge. And when the horse takes charge, you actually feel very unsafe if they're doing something that you don't want them to do. Now, the, the benefit was that she was kind and she didn't want to hurt me. So if she spooked at something, which she regularly did, she would jump away from me rather than on me. So in that respect, she was very kind and gentle. But in that first six months, um, she one day she sniffed the electric uh, fence uh, that was switched on while I was holding her. And she gave herself and me, because I was holding the lead rope, she gave us both an electric shock. And she thought I'd done it to her. So she then reared up in front of me, which was terrifying. On another occasion, I was trying to walk through a gate that was muddy and I slipped and I started to pull her on top of me. So she headbutted me out of the way and jumped over me again to save me. But in the process of doing that, I was headbutted and face down in the mud with concussion. I mean, just <laughs> the dramas went on and on and on. And, um, and, and yet I knew we were doing profound life-changing work. I was doing the work that I was born to do. When everybody said she's the wrong horse, send her back, get her an easier horse. I just knew that the connection was so deep that I couldn't walk away from that. And so I knew that I needed to get support, move her to a different yard where she was more comfortable, where I was more supported and do things in a different way. And, and that was one of the first lessons that she taught me was that we don't need to give up on our dreams, but if they're too difficult, we need to find another way of doing them. Wow. Do you think she chose you? Oh, oh absolutely. So the first time I met her, she was turned out loose into an arena and she was galloping, flat out gallop from one end to the other. I mean, she was majestic. She's, she's 16 too, so her back is above my eye level and her head is above, beyond my reach. And she was galloping flat out with a mane and tail flying behind her. And I was stood outside the arena watching with her owner at the time. And my instinct was to walk into the arena. Now, I wouldn't do it now, it was madness. But I said to the owner, can I go in? And she said, yes. So I walked into the arena and as Callie was galloping up and down, I stood in the, in the arena and I took a deep breath in and breathed out and I turned my back on her. And in the moment that I turned my back on her, I felt her come to a stop at the far end of the arena. And I stood there just breathing really slowly and staying really grounded. And she walked and she came and stood right next to me with a head next to mine, about a foot away from my head. And I turned and looked at her and she looked me in the eye and she nodded. And I thought, that's my horse. Wow, I'm getting goosebumps. I'm really, um, powerful moment. Mm. She's still with you, is she? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Wow. No less opinionated, but far more gentle and... And you're more knowledgeable, yeah? <laughs> well, m much, much easier to handle because now I know what I'm doing. Mm. And now I know what I'm doing. She trusts me to take the lead, whereas she didn't in the beginning because I was clueless. Mm. And in the absence of my leadership, she took charge. Now what we found is 
how do we be in equal partnership when neither one of us is in charge in a hierarchical sense? It's we're in an equal relationship where we do things together. Oh, that's beautiful. That really is. Um, would you do things differently if you had to start again with her? Would you get more help in learning how to do horses or? I, I would say no. And the reason for that is hindsight's a wonderful thing. So it's very easy to look in hindsight and say, I could have avoided that experience if I'd known X, Y, Z. But if I hadn't known X, Y, Z, and I'd avoided that, then I wouldn't have had the learning from it. And yeah. then everything then changes and then who knows where you end up. So I'm happy with where we are today. I'm happy with where we've come. I'm happy with how we've done it. That, that doesn't ever mean it's been easy. Every single horse I've taken on has had their own challenges and required me to learn to develop my leadership to develop my communication in a completely different way and I would never change that because they've made me the leader that I am today and enabled me to do the work that I do with clients because I've been able to go through that myself mm. so one more question before we get into the subject of intuition how did you um how did you work when COVID um came what did you do to continue to work with your horses or without or how, how did it happen how did your business shift maybe yeah completely in the first lockdown I wasn't able to work with the horses so everything stopped and and of course I still have all the costs of looking after the horses I have a yard manager who looks after them so I I had to find other ways of generating income I've written uh, three, well, three books now. At the time, a year ago, I'd written two books and one of which is called Leading Through Uncertainty. So I really understand and live and breathe uncertainty because every time clients walk through my gate, they literally enter a field of uncertainty. Will I look an idiot? Can I, what am I doing here? How's the day going to look? I'm out of my comfort zone. How do I lead a horse? Will I look stupid? And all of the default patterns of behavior that happen when people are out of their comfort zone happen in uncertainty. And so as soon as lockdown hit, it became very apparent to me that everything that I'd been writing about and everything that I'd been doing with clients with the horses was now being lived and breathed by everybody on the planet. Yeah. Um, and so I reached out to my existing client base and talked to them about what were they, what were they struggling with where did they need support? And I ran a number of, I call them masterclasses, but they weren't really, facilitated conversations, which were a mix of me sharing my thoughts and experience on uncertainty and getting the clients and the teams to, to share their experiences and their concerns and, and have a conversation around that. And that's pretty much what I did for about three months. And it was intense because, of course, I was going through the uncertainty too, which is different from when clients walk through my gate. Of course, I'm. There's what's uncertain is it's a new client. I don't know them. I don't know how the day is going to, to pan out. 
So there's always some uncertainty, but I'm in my environment with my horses, with my my loose plan of how the day is going to unfold, even if it never quite happens like that. So suddenly in the lockdown, I was in the uncertainty of, can I keep my business going? Can I keep my horses alive? Because if I can't fund them, then I might have to make the difficult decision to have them put to sleep because during a pandemic where everybody's income, most people's income reduced or they didn't have the time, the chances of being able to pass on horses to somebody else was pretty remote. So those early days were full of the same as everybody else. I was full of fear and anxiety and stress, but I understood it. I think that was the difference was that I understood the emotions that I was experiencing and I understood them to be normal. And therefore I wasn't in conflict with those emotions. I was able to work through them, but it, but it was a very intense period of time. And then from July onwards, I think when they started to change some of the lockdown rules, I was able to work one-to-one with clients last year. And then of course, since November, I've been shut down again. So have you started your masterclasses again or? or? Um, I haven't in the last three months, what I've been doing is developing the online uh, leadership academy. Oh yeah, yeah, that you mentioned at the start. yeah, Yeah, so I've been taking the the cognitive learning so what is it that clients are learning when they're having their experience with the horses i've been writing my third book which is called opus the hidden dynamics of team performance opus means work and opus is also the name of one of my horses who passed away in 2019 oh i'm sorry Um, about that and uh so i've been documenting that and i've created that in turn that into an online course as well and developed a leadership academy around that with a series of different online courses, but primarily focusing on nonverbal behavior because of course that's what I'm, I'm doing with the horses. So there's a, there's a lovely link there between the experience that happens when people work with the horses versus there are, there are so many things that you can learn about nonverbal behavior by reflecting on it, by thinking about it, by experiencing it with your own teams. Mm. Wow, I think I could talk to you for hours <laughs> or listen to your story more, more likely. I love it. Thank you so much for being so generous with, with what you do and, and sharing it so clearly as well. So my next question that I like to ask all my guests, and it usually gets some really interesting answers, is do you consider yourself intuitive? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, the, the, from the moment I walked into the arena with 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 Callie and and she looked me in the eye and nodded I intuitively knew she's the horse she's the right horse for me Mm. Um, but if I go back to when I was nine when I was nine years old I said to my parents I want a horse for my birthday and I want to work with horses when I'm older and we lived in uh, in the suburbs of Nottingham And so I I don't think I'd even seen a horse at that point. Certainly didn't know anybody who had horses or rode horses, but intuitively I knew that's what I wanted. So right from that early age, I knew that horses, I had this instinct that was that horses should be part of my life. And they bought me six riding lessons and I hated it. (laughs) 
It just because How interesting. How interesting. Well, and when I look back now, and this is why I say I would never look back and do things differently, because when I look back now, I look back and I think, well, riding for children, you know, all those years ago was was all about kick and pull. Kick to go, pull to stop. And there was no relationship, there was no respect, there was it was it was tell the horse what to do. And if the horse doesn't do what you want it to do, kick harder. Mm. And when I look back now as an adult, I, I feel a visceral response to that of, oh, that's so disrespectful. And, and I guess intuitively I knew that, but I didn't have the language for it. And so I, I stopped riding because it wasn't for me. Um, and I did as I was told and got myself in quotes, a proper job as my my uh, parents told me to do and, and had my corporate career, which of course holds me in good stead because now I understand my corporate clients because I've been one of those senior leaders mm. and I've worked in that environment. So I understand it. And I also understand there's another way of being with it. So everything that I do is, is driven by my intuition. What I, where I think we are at our most powerful is when we integrate our intuition with, and I always, I always talk about the head, the heart and the gut. So I talk about the head being our cognitive information, the heart being our emotions and the gut being instinct or intuition, mm. two being different. And when we align all three, that's when we know we've made the right decision. But if you've ever had, um, and we've all had these moments at night where we're lying awake and we can't sleep and we're trying to work out, should I take this job or shouldn't I? It's usually because our head, heart and gut are not aligned. Because as soon as all three are aligned, it's like we know what decision we need to make. And, and for me, that's, that's the real power of bringing intuition in is how do you integrate it with all of the other information and the emotions and the, and the cognitive knowledge based information mm. that's available. So would you say that you were aware of being intuitive from when you started school until you found your first horse? No. No, because it's not, it's not something that we're trained in. True. At, at school, we're trained in it's right or wrong, it's black or it's white, you get a tick or a cross. I mean, it's, school's not quite that binary now, but it's, but it's still of that. Of still that about day. the mind rather than anything else. Yes, mm. yeah. And when I look at, so my, my career was in IBM for 17 years. And when I look back to times in IBM, where I wasn't, I was one of the few people that wasn't technical. So I would lead teams of technical people. And I remember on one particular occasion, um, there was a major problem with a client's uh, services and the, all of their IT systems were down for five days. So it was, a, it was a massive problem. And every technical person was looking at this. We had the global leaders in this software looking at it. And on day one, I said, could the problem be this? And everybody said, no, 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 go away, shut up. Um, we've got all the best brains on it. And so I was pushed aside because I wasn't technical. And every day I kept saying, has anybody looked at this? And everybody would say, no, no, it's nothing to do with that. It's nothing to do with that. And it was my intuition that was, was telling me. And then on the fifth day, 
I went to one of the team that I knew really well and I said, um, can you just humor me and have a look at this thing? Because I just feel like there's something here that needs to be looked at. And he said, I can assure you it's not. And I said, can you humor me and look at it? And he looked at it for a couple of hours and he came back and he said, you've nailed the problem. And it was my intuition that, mm. that drove it, but it took that amount of time to be able to persuade people and what and that was quite early on in my career and what I learned from that was that if we just use intuition in its own it it's not founded in anything that people can grasp and this is where I think integrating it with our knowledge and our emotions as well can make it so much more grounded and powerful because it's like we're bringing this idea out of the ether and we're grounding it mm. and we're bringing it back and making it real and so what I learned to do was listen to my intuition and then track back logically of why might that be the case. And I didn't realize that that's what I did until probably a decade later. And it was probably as I was starting to look outside of IBM for what I was going to do next that I was starting to realize how powerful my intuition was and and that what I'd been doing was using it and then tracking it back. So I was bringing together left and right brain, knowledge and information with instinct, intuition and emotion. And just, and I think that's where we're at our best is when we bring the whole thing together. So it's not fascinating. The other. Yeah, I had the, actually, it's only recently I realized that's what I did as a lawyer. I would find the solution and then I'd back it up to sell it to my, my clients, you know, partner, boss, anywhere. But I never really understood the process I thought everybody did that yeah they had an idea and then they just checked if it was you know founded um so I'm I'm loving that you um you see it the same way that you've retraced it the same way mm. and um that's that I love it thank you so how do you receive intuition that's another question that I love to ask my guests because there's many different ways. There are many different ways. And I think I, I receive it in many different ways. Sometimes I get an idea in my head. Sometimes I'll feel something viscerally in my body, often in my stomach, almost like a boof, you know, like yeah. something landed. Um, it, lots of different ways. It's just, it's something that I sense or I feel, and then I test it out. Okay. Do you have one, well, I think you've shared already one, but you know, my big question in these interviews is to ask, is there one big story of intuition that helped you significantly in your business and to up level? Would you say it was that moment with the horse, your first horse, or have you had some other ones that you'd like to share, obviously? Um. One, one example of this was, and there are many, because it's, it's so much a part of everything that I do and who I am and, and how I lead my life and my work. One example of this was when my 31-year-old horse passed away 18 months ago, and I knew that he, he was booked in to be put to sleep on the Thursday, and I'd been agonising about what's the right way to put a horse to sleep that isn't just a medical intervention? What's the, 
Is there some sort of ceremony that I need to do? What's the right way to do it with the horses? And he was booked in for the Thursday. And on the Tuesday, he decided that he was making the decision, not me. And so on the Tuesday, we had to call the vet and have him put to sleep. And so I hadn't, although I'd been agonizing about how do I do this? The moment was brought forward two days and I wasn't prepared. And I worked intuitively and instinctively by listening to the herd and by listening to him. So I was sensing into what does he need from me and what does the herd need from me? And therefore, how do I need to interact with him, with the herd, with the vet, so that everybody has the most profound and and has the right experience, right being in quotes, but the right experience for them. Um, and that was driven by a combination of, again, it's the integrated piece of what, what am I seeing? What am I feeling? What are my emotions telling me? What's my instinct telling me? Because like, he can't tell me in words what he wants, but he can communicate with me in a way of I can feel things. So, so a lot of the work with the horses is very intuitive because they can't tell us in words what they want. But, but what I can do is I can listen to them and I can intuitively sense what do I think or what do I feel they're trying to tell me. And, and that's really intuition at work. You know, you just, um, <clears throat> you've just lit a light bulb for me um, in my own life because when my dad was about to die in the weeks leading to his death, um, he had a brain tumor that affected his speech. And so I was the only one who understood him intuitively. And, but I just like, I made the parallel right now. Um, it was so powerful. It was almost the test for me on my intuition. <clears throat> and he, I was the only one who really understood what he needed mm. uh, without words. And it was, it was actually a, an incredibly powerful and magical time where for two to three months, we just, um, it was like a dance almost of knowing where to take him, what to do with him. Um, I took him to church, which nobody would have done. And he was a church man. I took him to the lake and nobody wanted to take him out because of his illness and, you know, the risk of him um, with his immunity so low. Um, I mean, everybody can understand that now with COVID and everything, but that, that didn't even cross my mind because I knew he needed it. And immediately, you know, his, he felt alive again and all that sort of thing. So I can see how um, I can relate to that. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, and, and, and intuition is something that we have, even something as basic as, oh, I better take my umbrella today. And then we'll, and then we'll think, oh, I don't need it because the weather forecast says it's not going to rain. And of course, then it rains. And, and, that, and that's a great example of where we shut it down because the weather forecast is the information and the knowledge piece that says it's not going to rain, but the intuition is it's going to rain. Um, you know, if I look at my cat, he's always, he's an outdoor cat. He's always home five minutes before it rains, always. Um, like that, that is, call that intuition, call that his sensing, call that his reading of the environment. There's so much that we just don't understand about energetically what's going on that's not verbal 
that's not knowledge-based that we can't validate and test. Um, and yet we are living and breathing this all of the time. I agree, you made me smile again because I used to have this game I call it a game with my husband because he's like into the weather forecast. So I would always ask him, well, do you think it's a good idea for me to put the laundry out today? And he said, the foot fair, and I, every time I ignored my intuition, it would rain on my, on, on the laundry <laughs> until one day I says, when am I going to learn that I don't need to ask him about the weather forecast and I just do it when I, it feels right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I totally get that one as well. This is so good. Right, so where can people find you, Jude? I would love for, for you to share where you spend the most time because there's so many different places where people spend time that are different from person to person. Yeah, well, I'm on, I, I have my own website, which is judegenison.com. That's J-E-N-N-I-S-O-N.com. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as Jude Jenison. If you Google me, I have the gift from my husband of an unusual surname. So if you Google my name, the first three pages of Google, you'll find me. So you'll find my website. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. Um, yeah, all of the usual places, really. Okay. And my last question, which is almost my favorite, not, I wouldn't say exactly my favorite, but is what would you say to someone who's afraid to use their intuition in their business or in business generally? I, I would say don't shut it down and test it out. So test it out with what's, what does your intuition tell you? What, what does, what are the, what's the information around you? And what are you sensing and feeling emotionally as well as intuitively and see how it all lines up because when it all lines up, you know exactly what you need to do. Really good advice. Sometimes it means that we have to go against everybody else's advice though. And, and what would you say to that? Do it. <laughs> I, I, you know, I am the living, and, and I make that sound so simple, but, but do it. Because when I look back at the, the real turning point for me with, with Callie, my mare, after all the dramas, when everybody around me said, this is madness, give it up and get a proper job. And, but every time I listened to my intuition, it, it told me she's perfect for the work. I'm perfect for the work. We just need to find a different way of doing it. And so everyone around me said, this is crazy. You had this amazing career in IBM and now you've given it up to be face down in mud with concussion with a horse that you don't know how to look after. On paper, there is nothing sane and sensible about mm. keeping going. But my intuition said, keep going um, and do, but do it in a different way. So that's where the head piece comes in, which is, you know, don't just keep doing something that's madness, do it in a way where you're supported or, and, and find the right, the right people to support you. And, and that's what I've done. And, you know, nine years on, we're still going strong and, and, and have a great business. So, so I say flippantly do it, but do do keep going if your intuition is telling you it's the right thing to do but but don't do it blindly and willfully and in a risky way do it in a way where you're supported and in a way where you have the greatest chance of success thank you that's great wisdom
Thank you so much for coming for this interview. It's been delightful and very insightful as well. Um, thank you to all our listeners for listening to this episode today. And I'll see you again for the next interview. Thank you, Jude. Thanks. Bye Anna. for now. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Intuition Podcast. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe, give us a rating, and if you haven't done it yet, write a review so that more listeners can enjoy this podcast. Don't forget to join my free group on Facebook, Business Intuition for Female Entrepreneurs. And go on to my website to download my free workbook on the four steps to trust your intuition in business. My website is theintuitionrevolution.co.uk.